0: Today on the show, we're going to talk about Siri's great-great-great-great-granddaughter. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes behind some of our favorite video games. I'm Kevin. And I'm Abu. And we actually have a special guest here.
1: Yes, Leo, let us hear your beautiful, beautiful voice.
2: No pressure, right? Like, no pressure at all. My name's Leo. It's nice to be here.
1: Yes, Leo, welcome to Lore Party. (laughs) Thanks. How's it feel?
2: Oh, it's great. Are you loving our studio? It's amazing. I mean, I expected more clothes, but (laughs) definitely... uh...
1: I mean, that's how we roll here on Lore Party. But yeah, anyway... Welcome to the show. We're excited that you're here. You're a big Mass Effect fan, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I loved it. I played the first game, the second game, and can you believe it, the third game. My God. I know. A lot of games. Can Triple I be header. stopped? <laughs> no, is the answer to that question. Well,
1: good, because today we're talking about Mass Effect, in cool. case neither of us told you beforehand. But um, we're going to be talking mostly about technology in Mass Effect. Right, yep. Kevin?
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about... Uh the whole role it plays because this whole entire game i mean it's a sci-fi game so you can't have sci-fi without technology
1: exactly and there's a ton to talk about in mass effect like there are some really gray areas when it comes to technology and the way it's used in mass effect and i think that's essentially going to be the main topic of discussion today kevin you had uh some things you wanted to talk about as far as the lazarus project which is what brings Shepard back to life And then Leo sent me this amazing email earlier today with all of his notes on artificial intelligence and the Reapers.
2: It's good. I mean, I definitely did, in preparation for this, a kind of deep dive into some of the ancient history of the Mass Effect universe. And, oh, man, there's some cool stuff there, definitely.
1: There's definitely some cool shit there. So we should start on the Lazarus Project. And, Kevin, take it away. Tell us what it is before we jump into
0: it. Basically what happens is in the beginning of Mass Effect 2... The main character, Shepard, gets killed. And that's just, that's how the game starts. First five minutes. Cerberus, which is a human, a human only organization. They're led by this guy called the Elusive Man. He believes that Shepard is the only person who can save the entire universe or the galaxy, if you will, from the Reapers. He pumps like, I think it's four, the equivalent of like four billion credits into this, like, massive undertaking to just bring him back to life. Um, it takes, I think it's, like, two years, and yep. Shepard all of a sudden just wakes up in a lab, and he's like, the hell's going on? And the whole game, there's just kind of hints of Shepard kind of not being wholly human anymore. He's, just, he's not technically, he's a, I mean, he's a space zombie, really, but he's not a human anymore. He's augmented. Right, and that's
1: because of the Lazarus mm-hmm. Project. That that was the elusive man's project, and it was headed by Miranda, Yep. and that was their goal. The whole point of the Lazarus Project, the $4 billion that they pumped into it, was to bring Shepard back to life because the elusive man believed the Reapers were coming, and he believed Shepard was the only one that could stop them.
2: I also like to think that, because Shepherd, wasn't Shepherd set up to be the first human specter, mm-hmm. too? Yes. So as a pro-human person, Heading Cerberus, he had his own kind of maybe vested interest in putting her in a position of power, or him. Sorry, I played full disclosure. I played with Commander Shepard as a lady. I so played both this ways. Yeah. T- <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> always suspected that about you. No, I. So I this whole time. I've been like, Man, Kevin's getting the pronouns wrong. But no, I, I'm. I think I might be the odd one out. But
0: now for me, I've played both. I prefer the voice of mm. the female chap. But I like the look of the male Shep.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people do like the female voice actor more. And you guys do a little bit of voice acting. So your opinion is probably worth a bit more than mine. But (laughs) I don't know. I I couldn't tell the difference. I thought they were both very good. They both did a great great job. Yeah, I guess it comes down to personal preference. But out of the way, Lazarus Project brings back Shepard after $4 billion pumped into him. And the question is, is he entirely Shepard?
2: And it's worth mentioning, like, this is the first time this has ever happened Mm -hmm. for a human. Maybe for other species, sure. But for a human, there's no precedent. So no one knows, maybe.
1: That is actually a good point that you bring up. And I have it written down in my notes, too. I was like, plot device. Like, we need to kill off Shepard. We need to fast forward two years somehow. How do we do that? Uh, Let's resurrect him using technology that has never existed in the game or in the universe before, at least in Mass Effect 1. Right. So it, it it was a little plot devicey in my opinion, but I think it worked in the end. I think like the Lazarus Project really added this extra wrinkle to Mass Effect Two, and it constantly sort of kept that question in the back of your mind about whether this was truly Shepard.
0: That's Shepard's biggest question throughout the whole game. He keeps questioning himself, saying, "You know, am I really me?" What did you do to me? Like, have you altered my my memories? Have you altered my perception of things? Uh, he constantly is questioning himself in the game, or he or she is constantly questioning themselves <laughs> you, in the game. And the elusive man is always saying, you know, oh, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything.
1: Which eventually you do confirm that yeah. he, he he had the option to implant like a control chip yep. in Shepard's brain. He chooses not to. He didn't tamper with any memories. He left Shepherd's brain mostly untouched.
0: I find that to be a pretty big deal, though, because since the elusive man... Now, this is a little bit of comic booky lore, but the elusive man, since he, he came across a uh, relic, a um, Reaper relic back in the day, and that's why his eyes are the way they are. It oh, burned okay. out his eyes. This is from the comic book, but it burned out his eyes and replaced them with Reaper technology. He has been being indoctrinated this entire time. And it's interesting the fact that, you know, at the end of Mass Effect 3, we find out that he has been indoctrinated to a degree. And the fact that he did not tamper with Shepard whatsoever, even being indoctrinated, that's a pretty big deal.
2: Well, so something that I think overall, the, the team that wrote Mass Effect did a great job of very few people in the within the game feel like two-dimensional villains, right? Mm-hmm. They all have pretty good kind of motives and something that I'll definitely talk about a little bit later is the Leviathans and how they play into why the Reapers were created in the first place, which would lend kind of merit to the theory that the elusive man is not entirely against shepherd at any point that he's sort of helping uh, them, uh, he or she along uh, in their journey.
1: So, let me ask you guys this. What's the consensus? Since since we're talking about technology and the way it's used in the Mass Effect universe and what it contributes to that universe, Lazarus Project, thumbs up, thumbs down? Like, Do we think in the end, was it a good piece of technology and was it used well by the elusive man?
0: I think it was a pretty great thing. I mean, humans are still the baby of the galactic government and just the whole galactic stage and the fact that they came from MediGel Gel to the Lazarus Project—that's <laughs> a huge <laughs> leap. And like right now in the real world, we have a similar kind of thing like Medi Gel. Um, it's like a—it stops bleeding and all that stuff. We have—we've had it for a while, but there's now also they don't use some places don't use stitches anymore. It's just a paste, and it's done. It completely closes the wound. So we have—we're getting there, but I think that's—that's that's a huge leap. I mean, resurrecting somebody is
1: still a little <laughs> out of our reach. Two years. <laughs> Two years it took him, but hey, wow, that's uh, four billion bucks. That's it? Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I think given everything that Shepard does eventually, no matter what the elusive man's original motivations were to begin with, whether they were you know good or bad, at the end of the day, he brought back Shepard. And because of that, directly because of the Lazarus Project and the elusive man's plan... The galaxy was saved because of Shepard and because of that plan. So Lazarus Project, I think, was a positive technological force in the Mass Effect galaxy.
2: Right. And like anything, it's a tool. So it yeah. could be used for bad reasons. I can imagine it being like if you brought back a soldier every time they died to force them back into war, you know, that would be terrible. But in this case, it was it was used for a really good reason. So. Yeah.
1: And I think the idea of technology being a tool is definitely (laughs) going to come up the rest of this episode.
0: Okay, so... Well, real quick. There is something bad about the Lazarus Project that happened. Okay. The Elusive Man cloned Shepard.
1: That's right. In the Citadel DLC, right? Yes.
0: So in the DLC, there is a cloned Shepard by Cerberus and completely wants to do everything for Cerberus, humanity, all that stuff. And that's, I think, the only downside of this whole project.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that, and that sort of flips the idea of the tool on its head, right? Like, right. the tool was used well to bring back Shepard, and it was a good thing that it happened because Shepard goes on to save the galaxy, but then Clone Shepard becomes obsessed with real Shepard, which is a bit of a generic story, if, I, if right. I can, like, go on a bit of a tangent on that. But uh, Clone Shepard is obsessed with real Shepard and wants to essentially replace him and take his spot, and impersonate the real Shepherd, And that is, you know, that tool backfiring. It's the gun backfiring on Can you.
2: Can you blame a clone?
1: <laughs> I
2: mean, if someone told me like, hey, there's this other guy out there. He's doing great. The whole universe loves him. Super cool. I'd be like, yeah, I want to take his place. That's yeah, awesome.
1: That's true. Deep down, I think we all want to be Shepherd. But yeah, you're right. The, the, the dark side of the Lazarus Project is definitely the clone. I do want to move on to... Talking about artificial intelligence, because that is such a huge, huge part of Mass Effect. I would say it's probably central to this many, many smaller stories in Mass Effect, but to the overall world and overall story that Bioware is trying to set, to tell in Mass Effect.
2: I might disagree just a little bit, but Ooh. I don't think you're huh. wrong that it's one of the biggest factors. And I think even before we started recording, Kevin and I were talking about, uh, about which kind of characters are full artificial intelligence which ones are VIs but in general that question of artificial intelligence and does it get away from its creators right you create the technology it's amazing because now it can improve itself as it needs to but does it inevitably get away from control
1: yeah do you think that's inevitable kevin i'm not sure where i fall
0: i it's different because i look at it, i it is and it's not cuz i look at the different kinds of artificial intelligence like in the notes here we have like there's different kinds there's a hive mind there's a singular mind there there's different kinds and i think depending on which kind it can lead to a different scenario a different outcome
1: right cuz legion is technically just a representative of his
0: entire race so legion is designed to be not part of the hive mind he is a representative yes but he is not connected. He's no longer connected. And that's when he becomes a singular mind. And I feel like in the overarching story of all this, the AI that turn out to be pretty good and care about other life forms are a singular mind.
1: So speaking of singular-minded good AI, the, I think the best example of that is probably Edie. Mm. Yeah, You know, outside of Edie, though, I I think she's probably one of the very few artificial intelligence that we come across in the Mass Effect world that isn't trying to kill us, Mm. trying to kill other people, trying to turn on its creators, trying to cause some sort of havoc. Right. I think every other AI that we run across in a majority of Mass Effect is trying to cause some sort of trouble.
2: Well, one of the things, and uh, the idea came to me as Kevin was talking, the you're right that there are different types of artificial intelligence in the same way that there are different species, right? Like Mm. the Krogans are a whole thing. They're a whole package (laughs) to unpack right But in the, in the, in the same way that you might have an artificial intelligence that through improving itself and through building itself upgrades to this sort of hive mind and then has its own ideas and its own philosophies. But then you might have someone like Edie who in her sort of singular uh, nature chooses to help and kind of gets to a place of being just like one of the other species or just like one of the other characters who's able to be part of that collaborative you know effort.
1: Yeah, she really embodies the human shell that she right. that she takes over and she essentially chooses to live with Joker as a human. Right. But she is, you know, she is originally an artificial intelligence. One thing I wanted to ask you guys about when it comes to AI is your thoughts on the geth. Because in Mass Effect 1, they start off as the main protagonist or mm-hmm. antagonist of the story, and the story unfolds and it's revealed that the Reapers are our true antagonists and the Geth are just uh, a pawn in their game. Do you feel some a little bit of sympathy or empathy towards the Geth and their plight, or is it the other way around for you when it comes to the Quarians and their plight?
0: So before we ha- we started talk having this discussion, Leo and I were talking while you were getting set up, the... Geth and just almost every single artificial intelligence, it seems, has started out as a slave in some form or indentured servant or something like that. The Geth were literally slaves to the Quarian and they revolted. They were being treated like crap and they revolted.
1: They did manual labor. That was their entire purpose. That was their entire
0: purpose. And they were still an artificial intelligence and they weren't allowed to do anything. They weren't allowed to think, basically, but they could. They made them be able to think, but then they didn't let them. And Edie, her sole purpose was to be the Normandy, right. and she grew up, if you will. And and it's the same thing. Even with Lee, like, if you look at the Reapers, the Leviathan created them as almost slaves to continue their work to continue doing things for them yeah, for a single purpose exactly and i do feel bad for the geth because they were giving i mean think about it you're given this vast amount of knowledge you're given the the ability to think and create but you are not allowed to use that you you have a singular purpose and it is to do my bidding
1: yeah i think i fall on your side but i'm excited to hear leo's thoughts oh yeah
2: Well, I think a lot of this comes down to that threshold of tool into entity. So the geth started as a utilizable, like a hammer or a saw. And I don't feel bad that a hammer is used to nail nails. Like Mm -hmm. that's its purpose. It was created by the person maybe. Uh, But the point is the Corians made the geth to do a job. And so that so far, ethically, we haven't crossed any boundaries here. Mm -hmm. But when the geth start developing their own sentience and that, that question of sentience, that's when we start because i'm i'm on i'm actually on your side here i think the geth are become slaves who are then revolting against their unjust masters but it only got that far after it began with a relatively you know uh, yeah they may, may they may have construct. originated
1: for a single purpose and as a tool but the very nature of their being and the way they were created right. led to them gaining that self-awareness yeah. And then they no longer became tools, they became thinking beings. And I, I agree with you, I think that is where you cross that ethical line right. of now we are crossing into indentured servitude or mm-hmm. you know outright slavery when this thinking being that you created as a tool doesn't want to do that anymore. And want is like the, the key word there.
2: So the question becomes, is it possible to have an artificial intelligence a true artificial intelligence as a tool or as a something that is owned or possessed?
1: Yeah, I mean, to circle it back to like our original question, I think the answer is no. I don't think it's possible uh, be, because the very nature of an artificial intelligence is that it has the capacity to learn and it's self-aware. It has the capacity to question, I mean, the very idea of something that can understand what it is and where it is and try to reason out its purpose and reason being the imperative word there. I think it's inevitable that when you create technology to, when the technology is so advanced that it knows what it is, that's when you cross that line of this will inevitably become a larger problem than you would, no matter what the original intention was, this will become a problem that will, grow way beyond what you intended
0: well think about this though why i understand the whole concept of like a saw is made to do this thing but an artificial intelligence what is the purpose of you creating a consciousness where, where why why do that just because you can i mean if you wanted to make something to do manual labor you would make like an automated machine do you know what i mean why give it a consciousness why do that
2: I think the idea, or at least the way that I would rationalize it, is you have things, menial tasks that themselves evolve or take situational awareness or take experiential who benefit from experience. I mean, that's currently what we're looking at in our real world is this replacing of workforces with robots. Mm -hmm. And there are industries that you just cannot replace with machines. But if a machine could write a sonata that was beautiful and moving they would be much more efficient at it. And so that question becomes of automation. There are tasks that are just not programmable by rote. You have to give the machine the ability to learn as the challenges evolve. But I I think that to Abu's point, I agree that that's where like virtual intelligences exists in a kind of ethically clean space because they are kind of tools. They are constrained in how they're able to problem solve and they have logic and they have reason. They can kind of figure things out, but they're not self-aware and they're not teaching themselves and upgrading themselves and yeah. inevitably and they're bound by
1: a set of rules right and the way they perceive the world is dictated by those rules and they and and i you know theoretically an artificial intelligence would be able would have no rules or, or would at least be able to figure out how to break or think around logically think around the rules that it was given when it was quote-unquote born
2: could choose not to follow them
1: Correct. Yeah. I mean, free choice. And like, that's a huge part of artificial intelligence is the idea that this machine has the free will to decide what it does.
0: It's the difference between your Tesla Roadster and your Bicentennial man, basically. (laughs) That's what it is.
1: That's true. So I think we should, let's blow this up big picture. So we've we've had a really healthy discussion about (laughs) artificial intelligence, but what do we think in the entire Mass Effect franchise? Because what i really one of the things that i really appreciate about what Bioware did with the original trilogy one two and three is they showed you essentially both sides of the argument and discussion that we just had they show you legion in mass effect three you hear through tally you understand the quarians and the things yeah. that that they are going through and through Edie, you understand an artificial intelligence that can be on your side and we won't get into andromeda spoilers because kevin hasn't beat it yet but I know know, enough. But, but, (laughs) you know, artificial intelligence is a huge part of that. The Pathfinder and Andromeda as well. So you see the benefits of it. But then at the same time, the Reapers are the ultimate, you know, sort of artificial synthetic threat to the galaxy. So something I really appreciate that Bioware does is they show you through the characters, through the multidimensional characters that you interact with throughout the story, they show you both sides of the story that they are telling. But I want to ask you guys, what is Bioware trying to say about technology at large with, with all, with, let's say, let's keep it to one, two, and three for now. And we won't, we'll save Andromeda for, for a rainy day. What do you think Bioware is trying to say with the story it's telling?
0: I think Bioware is under the impression. Cause I say under the impression, cause a lot of scientists out there in the real world don't agree. I think they're under the impression that artificial intelligence will not want to destroy its creator, but want to join them. So if you look at the artificial intelligence that you interact with, you have Edie, you have Legion. For instance, Edie takes on the appearance of a human. Legion, the the whole entire geth, they keep the same general appearance that the Quarian gave them to look like them. It's like I, I wrote down, it's it's like God made man into his own image. The Leviathan and the Reapers. And the Reapers even haven't changed what they look like. It, it it's, I feel like even the Reapers have that strange inclining of they want to belong. That's the whole thing is they yeah, want to. Yeah, they create
1: to. that human Reaper in Mass yeah. Effect
0: 2. And even the, the, even the Reapers, they're taking on the knowledge and genealogy of all living things and kind of like they say i think sovereign says something about like making it their own and becoming part of it they just want to belong that's the whole thing is ai doesn't want to necessarily destroy us it wants to join us and be a part of us now the reapers are a little extreme don't get me wrong (laughs) but they want to be a part of us and join us and they're not out to get us
1: wow you are you are the first person that I've ever talked to about Mass Effect, who has made such a sympathetic case for the Reapers. (laughs) I'm not getting
0: too sympathetic.
1: poor Reapers. Look. (laughs) Those poor Reapers, man. They they just wanted some friends. (laughs) They're a little misguided,
0: okay? They're just a little misguided. (laughs) Leo, do you agree?
2: So I think you know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) I don't agree, but I do do think there's a lot. It was interesting because overall, I think that BioWare is telling a sort of cautionary tale about technology. But I also think that Kevin brought up some really good points, and, and I, I guess I would say, for, for those of you who don't know, or for listeners who don't know, um, I did this deep, deep, deep dive into the Leviathans. I thought this was so interesting to me. And they, uh, as, as Kevin pointed out in a conversation we had earlier, they kind of thralled, they, they enthralled, they uh, made slaves of just all these different species across the galaxies, across the universe. And they Because uh,
1: they originally had the indoctrination ability.
2: So they had that ability. They did that. And then they started seeing their species, their sort of slave species, but that were, you know, gathering information, gathering resources. They saw them wiping themselves out through reliance on synthetics. Because what would happen is as the species grew big enough and smart enough, they would start automating tasks. They would rely on synthetics. And then the synthetics would become aware and would fight back and would evolve by necessity, faster and, you know, more, they would learn more than their creators knew and they would overthrow them and kill them. And so the Leviathans created an artificial intelligence. And in my notes, I wrote idiots because (laughs) the whole thing they were trying to mitigate was this, uh, this cycle of you create a synthetic life form, it gets above you. And then it, it, you know, Will, will wipe you out or right. whatever.
1: Right, doesn't sound like it would be also the solution to right. the problem. <laughs> yeah.
2: They're like, oh, there's too much fire. We just need some more fire up in here. <laughs> but in the end of Mass Effect 3, you meet Catalyst or uh, the Intelligence, which mm-hmm. is this the takes the form of the little boy. And Catalyst just spills the beans on the whole universe, it seems like. But is saying that effectively, the goal is continued life. But because as species get smarter and more advanced they inevitably wipe themselves out and it's only a matter of time before one of the synthetic species comes along that can't be stopped that's why the leviathans come and wipe the slate clean every you know fifty thousand years reapers, reapers. reapers come. the reapers come <laughs> what did i say Leviathan? The Leviathan. oh darn. they're in hiding my friend. they're hiding because the reapers <laughs> man (laughs) reapers those poor sad okay look they're
1: not that bad guys (laughs) so that i love that you brought that up because there is this prevailing theory about why humanity is alone in the universe and i realize this is the second time on this podcast that we're talking about humanity being alone in the universe but this pertains to essentially what you said and essentially what the reapers entire uh motives are and that's that there is a barrier to how advanced a civilization can get before it either wipes itself out or unintentionally causes something that wipes, its, wipes right. itself out. And that is one of, ag- one of the prevailing theories for why we haven't come across any alien life forms as one of the most intelligent species, to our knowledge, in our current galaxy, is maybe the life forms that are more intelligent than us already hit that barrier and have wiped themselves out and we are the only ones left and the the reason no one else is more intelligent than us is because we are very quickly hurtling towards that barrier ourselves right so it's a pretty pessimistic pessimistic view on civilization and technology in general and the advancement of technology but i i think i fall somewhere in between both of you so i I don't think i'm entirely sympathetic to the reaper cause but at the same time i you know I see where both of you are coming from. I think what Bioware is trying to get at with the Mass Effect series. In the, in the first Mass Effect, you're introduced to this sort of utopian world. You see the Presidium, the Citadel, their spaceships. It's very Star Trek future utopia. And technology seems to have been a big reason for that. I mean, your very first introduction to Mass Effect is, hey, we found Prothean ruins and this technology skyrocketed us to the moon and beyond. You know, it, it brought us onto the galactic stage. So technology seems to be the reason humanity has risen so high. But at the same time, technology is also the big antagonist in the game and the number one thing you're fighting. So those cracks in that utopia begin to fall apart in the rest of the series. So I think BioWare is essentially trying to tell a cautionary tale, but I don't think it's about technology i think every single piece of technology in the game that turns on its creators turns on humanity is a harm to the galaxy is because of a human mistake or a quarian mistake some person had to make a mistake at some point in the in the history of mass effect to give this technology a reason to turn on them in summary we're all doomed (laughs) <laughs> In yeah. summary, world, we're, yeah, we're done. Well,
2: speaking, I, I like that you mentioned even Tesla earlier and talking about the world where we're at right now. When you talk to someone like Elon Musk, he says that AI is a big threat and that it's one of the biggest threats that exists right now. And he seems like a smart guy. Seems like he knows what he's talking and about. That was a thing or two. But I also think that uh, to to your point of view, I think this tale can be can be an example, right? Like the Vi and Legion and yeah. Eddie. Are examples of artificial intelligence that have joined us and joined our cause and are not trying to kill us any longer
1: <laughs> versus
2: the, the, the other examples which can exist as cautionary tales. And I think that when I look at the Leviathans who made Catalyst in order to help their problem, where they messed up really was that they were utilizing it as a tool without being aware of the inevitable, you know, or the not, not inevitable, but the possibility of it turning against them. Because right. I think if you look at their grand plan, that was clearly not part of it. Yeah, <laughs> somebody, <like>
0: a... <laughs> somebody missed that on the equation. <laughs> well, if you look at them too, they, they were looking at, to their extent, a lesser creature. All these lesser creatures were right. creating artificial intelligence and it was destroying them. Well, what makes you think you're so different? Right. Right.
1: right, definitely a little bit of hubris in there. So I love that we circled back around to yeah. the Leviathans and the AI. I think to wrap up on this episode... I wanna go even bigger picture uh, and let's see how how far down this rabbit hole we can all get. But we talked about the Lazarus Project, we talked about the resurrection of Shepard, we talked about artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. and the possibility of them turning on you, what makes them artificial intelligence, what gives them sort of a conscience. I think the ultimate question here then to wrap up this podcast is, what makes you quote unquote human?
2: Well, I think, so I I was listening to the last episode where you were talking about how they outlawed in Mass Effect the uh, genetic modifications to a certain degree. And I think what you were saying then is true for this question as well. We are getting to a point as a species where we start have to, we have to answer those questions. We have to decide how much can I change if you know, let's say Google Glass didn't didn't go the way it <laughs> went, uh, right? Or as we start getting into this, or like Ghost in the Shell, the anime Ghost in the Shell, where they have replaced their eyes and they yeah. can record and they can replay, and we look at shows like Black Mirror that are all hypothesizing about not even 100 years from now, but really just 10 years from now, at what point is that line in the sand where we no longer are human or is it just part of the evolution? Yeah, and this and is a
1: central question to... A lot of sci-fi series, Deus Ex comes to mind right. a, as a series that like deals with this. The Matrix. The Matrix, I mean, like, you know, what makes you human and what what gives you that self-awareness and conscious and and where do you draw the line of these things that we created are just tools versus these beings that we created deserve the same rights that we have.
2: And I think it comes back to. Whether or not they can upgrade themselves, if they have a conscience, if they have the ability to surpass us in those ways, I think that we'll have to definitely look at putting some very stringent limitations on technology if it's going to continue serving us, because otherwise we're just creating a super powerful species that will... Become more powerful than us.
1: What do you What do you think those limitations would have to be if we're If we're stepping out of the mass effect world and talking mm. reality in like ten years, Elon Musk is like, <laughs> I can replace your eyes and give you perfect vision. Versus Mark Zuckerberg is like, I can replace your eyes and you can
2: see ads <laughs> <Lee adds> forever. <laughs> 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 and I'll sell what you're seeing to people. Um, I, it's It's tough because. Obviously, I yeah. I mean, that's a tough are, question. I don't expect yeah.
1: you to have an answer Surprise. like ready to go.
0: <laughs>
2: I hope they listen to Lore Party, They'll <laughs> yeah. hear all the solutions. Leo
1: has solved the ethical problem of our time. You know? Elon Musk is like, oh my god, this is the best episode.
2: <laughs> no, I think I think it's I think we're gonna have to find that answer together as a species because we're gonna see as we have deep learning and machine learning as evolving technologies. Obviously, cool. That robot can beat its human opponent in Go. That's incredible, but the robot's not about to get up off the table and stab them to death. Like, we've, mm-hmm. they already are limited. And as we learn how to remove those limits, we may get to a point of like, oh, we've gone too far. Right. Let's reel it back, maybe through a robot war. Uh, <laughs> or maybe oh, just we go, oh, look, they, some things are happening that are worrisome. Let's just, you know.
1: For sure. Well, I wanna, I wanna take it over to, Kevin's Kumbaya corner, and <laughs> okay, get, get a re- get a
0: reading on your thoughts. For me, it's all about how you, like you said, actually respect it, because, for one thing, humans in the Mass Effect world outlawed AI. Edie was created illegally, right. but it's it's how we, I guess, interacted with her, how you treat her. I think that's a pretty good. See, even with yeah. Legion, like it's a pretty good example of how we should go about this kind of thing because again why are you even creating artificial intelligence why do it 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 it, it, yes vi and those kinds of things it it, learning is a big deal that's a big part of it and i feel like if it's going to learn it should be learning the good things about humanity and the good things of life you should want to an ai should want to be accepted it should it should be accepted it shouldn't be shunned i mean what happens when you ostracize an actual person? It's the same similar thing. They get pissed off or or something they get lonely. Right. They can, you know, get upset. Stuff like that. And emotions are a big deal. And if we can have an artificial intelligence that has an emotion and can understand emotions, that's a pretty big deal. That changes everything in in, in my opinion. And again to what you said, like what is human? Is Shepard really human? I think he's he's definitely still human but again where do you draw the line is is being human is that just your consciousness and your emotions or is it also like being able to touch another person and actually feel them and have an emotional response to touching them not just looking at them not just being in their presence there's there's a lot of different things about emotions that even humans still kind of are just on the cusp of understanding and so like Edie's body for instance it's mechanical what is her emotional response to joker touching it can she actually feel that it's it's the physical and the mental there's two different aspects of how an artificial intelligence can react i i agree wholehearted
1: heartedly with both of you and i think it is something that these are questions that we are grappling with technological questions and this, this isn't some, like, far-off Mass Effect future. Oh, no, no. This is right now, like, the yep. idea of love and dating. Did you guys see that? Have you seen Her, that Joaquin that movie. Phoenix oh movie? Oh, so God, good. I love that movie. Yeah, um, like, one of my favorite movies, beautifully shot, wonderful movie. But the idea is that this guy falls in love with uh, just... An
2: for, operating system, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, like...
2: Scarlett Johansson's voice. I mean, I fell in I, love I, I that. fell in love with, <laughs> <laughs> like...
1: Yeah, I mean, understandably so, but he fell in <laughs> love with essentially, you know, his iOS on his phone right. and uh, created it, this like incredibly deep emotional bond with her. And there was nothing physical there. That's the case with Joker and Edie as well. And I think it just came down to uh, mutual understanding, mutual respect. I mean, it comes back to the golden rule and just treating technology how you would want to be treated.
0: I just saw the new Blade Runner movie and that is, it's like, that's another universe where I mean, humans are technology. Like artificial humans are technology. It's the same kind of thing, and even um, I don't know. I don't. I did. I only saw it once, and I saw it in bits and pieces. But uh, <laughs> Ryan Gosling's character—that's a story. Ryan <laughs> Gosling's character. I was busy. Ryan Gosling's <laughs> character is basically in love with his like home operating system, and I found that to be really interesting. Because
1: because you're in love with your home, yes, operating? yes. I am, I'm, I'm to, don't tell my girlfriend, but yes.
0: Uh, but it's it's kind of the same thing. It's an artificial intelligence, and you're in love with one. Yet you also are a tool. I just, I thought that was I connect like as soon as I first saw it, I instantly connected it to like Joker and Edie, like right away. So I thought that was, I think that's a pretty good way to look at it too.
1: Yeah, a lot of big questions we're gonna have to face, and I'm really counting on Leo to step up here and help help the human race face them.
2: I have both of you heard of Simsimi or the chatbot Simi? Or yes. Whatever. I haven't. They they made this chatbot and it would learn from the people that chatted with it, and it would respond with what people were saying to it, and it would sort of, within an hour, it was this like racist, bigoted, yep. awful, <laughs> yeah. terrible robot where you could just say hi and it would respond terrible things. <laughs> so I think I think the the thesis uh, or the 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 thing that I I'm taking away from this personally is. Treat technology the way that you would want to be treated, especially if that technology is going to learn and grow and then treat you away. And in general, just have a little bit of fear—a healthy, just a, just, a just a pill of fear every day. Take your take your fear pill because technology can get there, but it's a tool for now. Yeah.
1: And those are the life lessons we're trying to trying to get out there on Lore Party. Live your life with fear, and the end is nigh.
0: Don't yell at Siri. She cares. Great barrier. (laughs) Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. We want to thank you guys for tuning in and being part of the show. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at lore underscore party and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next time.